When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Kathy Valentine. I'm from the Go-Go's and you're listening to Holly and Dave on the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Hey, Holly. (laughs) Hey, Dave. Oh, yeah, you're in a good mood because we're still talking with Kathy Valentine of the Go-Go's. Yes, we are back with Kathy Valentine on the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Welcome to part two of our talk with Kathy Valentine of the (laughs) Go-Go's. Did you play all the instruments on that, uh, on your soundtrack for for the book? Is that all you? Yeah, I I had a blast. Um, I, I, I wrote it all. I sang it all. I performed everything. I had a co-producer in New York, um, a great composer, uh, that was mixing for me and I, and, and co-producing in that, you know, helping keep me on track and bouncing ideas off of, yeah, but I compiled everything and recorded everything in my, in my home and, um, had a great time. I mean, I just, I was making beats. I had all these influences that, I'd never, you know, when you're in a band, I mean, I knew when I made my first solo album that I, that's when I really, I never wanted to be a star. I never wanted to be a solo artist, but it gave me a lot of confidence in my abilities as a producer and as a musician. I'm like, Oh, you're good. You know? And I really believed it because then you're, when you're in a band, a lot of your ideas, somebody will go, no, no, I don't like that. And you can make it, you can make you go, Oh, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Or, you know, I don't like that song, but when you're doing it by yourself, for better or for worse, there's no one saying that's not good. You decide what's good enough. And you might write a whole song or record a whole song and then you decide it's not good enough, but no one's shooting down anything. And it was really good for my confidence the first time I did it. And doing this record, I was like, holy cow. (laughs) I mean, I knew I was a good bass player in the Go-Go's. I knew I did a great job of that, but I would have never thought of myself as, you know, somebody that could go play bass. I wasn't Gail Ann Dorsey, you know, I wasn't Tal Wilkenfeld on the, I knew that, but on this uh, soundtrack, I was like, man, I played some really great bass. I played some great guitar and I, I was, I knew I was a good guitar player. I was proud of it. I still am really proud of it. And plus artistically, it's just super innovative because it um it use I really capture the tone and the feel of the chapter. Like when I write a song to go with camouflage, which is a chapter about a home invasion robbery where we could have me and my two friends could have easily ended up murdered. And you have to read the book to read the story. Yes. But it, it's uh, very 
it's really scary. And when I wrote the soundtrack to that chapter, I wanted to bring into the music the tension and the fear and how how lost I was after that had happened because that came right on the heels of the band breaking up. And I'm in this house on the Hollywood Hills. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. The go-go's have broken up. I'm completely lost, completely de- devastated. And now I don't feel safe in my home. The home, I don't even know how I'm going to pay for. I don't feel <laughs> safe. And so it was very lost. And I really loved expressing these things. Hollywood Hills, August 
they're just like, I don't like her. And they, they don't know why. And, and you, when you stand in front of a room full of people and talk, that could happen. So I was terrified of that. I, I want to be liked. Uh, but it was exhilarating. What I found was that I connected with people, which is what it's all about. So I would, I would love the opportunity to, to do anything really. I, I would be a DJ. I would, I just like trying things out and doing them. And, you know, I'm not going to do well at everything, but I've come to a place in my life where I don't have to be great for a long time. It's like, I'm not going to do that unless I'm great at it. And I think that even kept me from writing a book for a long time, you know, because I didn't want to write a, a lame book. I didn't want to write. And I was afraid and I, I didn't read a lot of memoirs. I read classic literature and I'm, that's intimidating. You're like, Oh, I'll never be, mm. you know, Flannery O'Connor. I'll never be, <laughs> you know, whatever, um, Thomas Mann. And yet when I started reading memoirs, I was like, well, I have a story to tell mm. and, you know, I don't have to be the, the literary uh, brilliant genius of the 21st century to write a memoir. I have to be honest and and a little bit literary and a little bit lyrical like I can do. And, and maybe I can do a good job of this. So I think you nailed it. I do too, to be honest. I think I- <laughs> good. That's fine. Because <laughs> what you were talking to about, it made me think of you had the opportunity or it never came to fruition where you were going to audition for Light of Day did go to to Joan Jett, but then afterwards you said, "Oh, I, I didn't want to act anyway." So you, it seemed like at that time you're trying to convince yourself, oh, this is something I didn't want to do." But maybe deep down it was something that uh, you know you wanted well, to try. Once once I had the opportunity, I was like, "Yeah, I I wanted to do it," but when I didn't get it, you know, I'm you know above and beyond anything, I'm a, a self preservationist, and my I felt from the time I was a child, my job is to take care of myself. No one else is going to do it. That's my job. So taking care of myself means not wallowing in a defeat. That's what I'm going to do. And if I didn't get the gig, you know, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to give up, but I'm going to spin it. I'm going to spin it where I can move forward. And at that time, the spin was, I don't want to act anyway. I want to be in a band. So uh, it doesn't mean I didn't want to, but it meant that was my device for taking care of myself and moving forward. You know, I've had a lot of people say, you have had so much betrayal and so much abandonment, and yet you seem so open and, and forgiving. And and they're kind of like, like waiting for this like spiritual, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah, because that's what's best for me. It's, you know, it doesn't serve me to hold grudges, to be full of resentment to be bitter. That doesn't help me move forward. That doesn't help me grow. So uh, as much as I would like to say, I'm a saint uh, who is just <laughs> over brimming with, with forgiveness and whatnot. It's really about how can I grow? How can I move forward? How can I do what's best for me? Being good to people is what's best for me. Caring about other people is what's best for me. When I was younger, I was a little bit more limited in doing what was best for me, like taking care of myself, paying the bills, uh, playing my parts well, making sure I was showing up. And, you know, that was all best for me. Or as I've gotten older, a lot of what's best for me, besides taking care of myself physically, it's taking care of myself spiritually. And the way I can do that is with, with love and compassion and forgiveness and gratitude. 
I sound like a motivator. No, that's speaker. that's okay. It sounds like is this? Stop. Hey, that's <laughs> Renee Brown, move over. <laughs> We're going to use that in our promo. It's going to be <laughs> Kathy oh. Valentine, your new guru. <laughs> Motivational speaker. Is this, I, I guess it sound. it reminds me, I mean, is this something that you learned through your classes at AA when you, when you did go? It, it's just what, life what, and yeah. being willing to, uh, yeah, I mean, sobriety is this foundation for everything for me. Sobriety is why I have a, a daughter, why I'm alive, why I pay my bills, why I am not sick and why I don't look like you know, I, I've been dragged behind a truck for 20 years. It's like, it's sobriety is everything for me, but yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not a religious person, so I had to start finding my spirituality and the ways that worked for me and just being my age and, and being open and receptive to growing and, and, and changing and evolving. It's funny because it, it's kind of like your song can't stop the world. Can you talk a little bit about, I, I, we haven't talked any about any Go-Go's music at all, but I guess that was the first song you, you wrote with that with Carla. Was no, it, no, oh, that's what? my song. I wrote, it, I wrote it before Carla. Oh, before, okay. Well, tell me a little bit about Can't Stop the World. Where, where were you at the time? I had Are been you, in LA. I'd moved to LA to make it. I moved with my best friend that was in my band, the, the, the third band, band member, Carla, she was a lot. She was a lot more responsible. A few years older, so she wasn't moving from Austin to LA until she had her job lined up. Whereas me and my young friend Marilyn, we just jumped in the Delta eighty eight and <laughs> sped across the desert. And she promptly moved into a nice apartment with a friend and had a fake ID. And me, after being going out to clubs for years and Austin was in a city where you had to be 21 and I didn't have an ID. So I'm abandoned and I'm alone and I know nobody and I have no money and I'm pretty damn bitter and unhappy in general. And yet this is where I discover songwriting. Uh, and I had written a few songs. I'd been playing guitar since I was 15, uh, 14 or 15. And I had been, I'd written a few songs, but that wasn't where I had been put it. I was kind of more concerned with being a great guitar player. Um, so I started writing songs and they, the first real, I mean, the first song I wrote in LA was can't stop the world. And it really melded my external situation with what I was feeling inside. And in my book, I write, that's where I really became a true musician because not because I could play the scales up and down the neck, uh, 20 miles an hour, but because I was able to make a musical expression out of what I was feeling uh, and filter my external circumstances through music. So once I did that, I was off and running and, and writing songs has been my, my go-to for many years. It's quite a therapy, but Can't Stop the World ended up, not only did my band, the text tones do it, but the Go-Go's put it on the first album, which was wonderful for me because I was the last member to join. And that album easily could have not had any songs by me. Um, another song right after that, I wrote We Don't Get Along, which was my very first cover song. A wonderful artist named Phil Seymour cut it. Mm -hmm. And Phil Seymour is, is a great singer. He sang back up with Tom Petty. He'd been in the Dwight Twilley band. People that... Uh, know anything about some of the 70s and 80s music might recognize Phil and some of his songs. 
So I got my first cover song. And then and on the Go-Go's second album, then the other song I wrote in those early days before being in Go-Go was Vacation. And Vacation was the song that the Textones also recorded and a song that I showed Charlotte pretty soon after I joined the band. And she said, oh, this is a good Go-Go song. Let's make the chorus a little bit more fleshed out. So we sat down and kind of reworked it and, and rewrote it. Uh, not rewrote the song, but added a chorus to it. And so, yeah, there you have it. <laughs> okay, we're going to stop this right now. We will be back shortly. We are still talking with Kathy Valentine of the Go-Go's. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Welcome back to the What Difference Does It Make podcast and our conversation with Kathy Valentine. <laughs> Charlotte was the was she the arranger or was she did she have the the best ideas of uh, musically how to flesh out a go go song how to make a song a, a go go song? No, no, I think that was everybody. Okay, did, uh, did that. everybody everybody had ideas for that, but just I'm bringing her a song that we didn't write together. And I'm saying, you know, I'm the newest band member and I'm saying, do you think this would be good for the Go-Go's? And she's saying, yeah, but maybe just in her version, but no, no, that didn't mean all along down the line. Right. Okay. That's, what, that's what she did. Just in that situation, when I showed it to her, that was her opinion of what the song needed. And so I think we have a really great course, but I still like the uh, original too. It's got its own little attitude. Do you play with the text tones or what, what's your relationship with, with Carla and, uh, and the band and, you see uh, we're friends. I, I'm I'm pretty much friends with everybody that I've ever known. Um, <laughs> so we're friends. And the original vacation just got licensed to a TV show. I forget the name of the show, but that's kind of cool. So even after all these years, 
we all got paid for the original version of vacation. The the second vacation that I wrote with Charlotte that where we where we added a chorus is kind of what's known as a derivative work because it took an existing song and altered it. Um, so the, there's two versions, and uh, yeah, they, they she's kept the tax tones going for decades, you know. So and they have their own little niche that they've carved out. So yeah, I'm friends with them. Uh, I rehooked up with with Marilyn from the Violators, my first punk rock band uh, through Facebook, and we hadn't talked for decades. And it's it's pretty amazing to have these long long ago relationships that because of the internet and social media can re- resurface. Yeah. That's funny. I, you didn't, you, you, when you mentioned uh, reconnecting with her, I assumed it was through social media, but you didn't, I don't think you specifically said it. I was going to say it had to be Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I was stunned. I, I thought she had died. That was the rumor. So I was stunned. I'm like, you, you don't want to say, I thought you died, but that's what I was thinking. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, people who there is something about people who knew you when. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. And, and, you know, I've been back in LA for 13, I mean, back in Austin, excuse me, for 13 years. But LA, I lived for 27 years. And those are the years where, you know, I'm in my 20s, I'm in my 30s, um, part of my 40s. And those, those are the kind of friendships that are pretty solid, you know, as a, as a mom in Austin with a teenager, it's not like I'm making a lot of other mom friends, you know, it's not yeah. like we're at the play group, you know, hanging out. So <laughs> um, did you do that though? When she was, li- when she was little? Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, but she'll be going to college um, next year and I'll probably go wherever she goes. I mean, not to be like breathing down her neck, but I want to be in the same city as my daughter. There's only the two of us. She's not going to UT. And is that, is that, no, the- no, she yeah. wants to go to UCLA. She goes to go to UCLA. Her dad is in UCLA. Her dad's in LA and that'd be fine with me. I would, I would be happy to go back to LA, not forever, but for a year, just in that transition period. Yeah. So and now that I'm a writer, yeah, I can do, write anywhere now that and I'm a musician. I can do music anywhere. So I've always felt very free and flexible about where I call home. You know, yeah. well, you picked some good city. Well, I guess you didn't choose Austin if you were born there, but <laughs> good, good music cities. Yeah, yeah. The cover photo, which I love, the fo- the the cover of uh, All I Ever Wanted. Did did, did uh, Catherine Sebastian take that photo? Yes, yes. Hopefully. <laughs> I'm sure she's credited on there. Yeah, that I think I write in the book like she did photos and I looked at them and it was like the first time in my entire life that I thought, oh, oh, I'm pretty. Like, mm-hmm. it was so wild. And I was 20 years old in that photo. And at first I thought, well, is this is this cheating to like put a, a young and then my uh, publisher, the the art, the person I was dealing with, the marketing person I was like, you know, the book is about this period of your life. You know, yeah. it's not about you now. It almost would be weird to have a picture of you now when you're talking about an early, when you're writing about an earlier period. And I love how it's like looking back. So it's like I'm looking back yeah. on my life. And I, it was awesome to reconnect with Catherine Sebastian. We had been in touch over the years, but to actually get to work together. And she sent me photos that I had no idea. And I had a great time looking, just seeing how documented my life was back then by her. She's a great photographer. And I, I love the book. I think it's beautiful. 
You know, if I didn't know me and I was in a bookstore, hopefully one day we'll all be in bookstores again. Um, And I walked by that book. I know I would pick it up. I know I would. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think it's uh, it's it's beautiful. And the cover photo is perfect. I think it's very fitting of the book. You're still close with all your friends. Um, what have the reviews been or what have what has been the reaction? Any surprises from, from people that uh, you're close to? Well, most people want to know what the other Go-Go's think and everyone likes it and has is either expressed, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't know all this stuff or I'm so proud of you or you did such a great job. So I've gotten great feedback from the band. Um, a lot of uh, Go-Go's fans have told me that they were they got it because they were curious about that part, but were surprised to find how much they enjoyed reading about my journey to that. And afterwards, I really didn't feel like the success of the Go-Go's and achieving that would have the meaning it did if it didn't have the context. If you didn't read and understand where I was coming from, there's no way my reader would understand how profoundly important it was to me and how devastating it was to lose it when I had finally found a way to belong and to support myself and take care of myself and make it in a band. But I have seen online a few grumblings from people going, why does she talk about this so much? Why does she talk about her mom? Why does she stop at 1990? So to those people, I would just say, you know, I never set out to write the Go-Go's history. You know, my job is not to document everything the Go-Go's did. And my job, the way I saw it, was to get on the map as a writer to do a great job so that people found, saw that I'm a writer. She can do this. She can do this well. I like her voice. I want to read more. I want more. That was my job. And uh, so that's what I set out to do. Very few people have complained about that. A few people have said, why does it stop at 1990? And mm-hmm. any writer will tell you, I mean, I wanted to adhere to the conventions of good writing. When I write a song, I don't, I'm not writing an experimental art piece. I'm writing something that you are going to hear and remember and be hooky. And it's going to have a verse and a chorus and a bridge. And that's what I'm aiming to do. So when I wanted to write a book, I wanted the arc. I wanted my protagonist, me, to be faced with obstacles that she overcame and then ended up a changed person. That was the arc. I thought I had a perfect arc. And I loved that it was the 70s in Austin, the 80s in L.A., great eras, uh, a lot going on in the world that I consistently touch on my journey and how the parallel of what's happening in the world and the context for what's happening. You know, the Go-Go's success was against a backdrop of Ronald Reagan and the country changing enormously and AIDS happening and being ignored by the government. You know, these were profound things that shaped culture and had an effect on everybody, not only growing up, but on on the go-go. So, so I had a very clear vision of what I wanted to do and what I did not want to do was document everything that the go-go's have done. I couldn't stop comparing myself to my old bandmates. They had success. success. I felt like a sucker. Still had some rock and roll composure. I'm a rock That's a sorry consolation prize. 
deposits, lost that go-go cash. Who would I ask for help? Mom won the kid lottery. Dad's not so fatherly. You better take care of yourself. There was that feedback, and I've gotten a lot of feedback of people just saying, oh, my God, it's so honest and so raw. But that's, to me, that's what a memoir is. That's what I want. Yeah, that's what you want to hear. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it is. And you don't don't make yourself come off. You have to be as, you have to be unflinching looking at yourself and say, this is what I did wrong, and this this is where I screwed up, and this is. Uh, the way I behaved was shameful. You got to be willing to do that or you have no credibility as a writer. And I'm someone that has taken creative writing classes. I've been a on and off college student long enough that I'm two (laughs) classes away from getting an English uh, bachelor's degree. So I know, and I'm a 4.0, not to brag, but I'm a, you know, an A student. So I know what the elements of writing are. Plus I've read every great book ever written so that was my plan not to not to do and i knew i would fall short in case this sounds like i think <laughs> i'm the greatest writer i knew i would fall short but i knew what i was shooting for and how uh, how did your mom receive the book she said it was really hard for her she said it yeah. was really hard um and yet she signed off on everything i told i i told her like, do you remember when this happened? Uh, for your listeners, my mom, uh, they, she got high with me. She had an affair with a teenage guy that was a friend of mine. She uh, never punished me, never gave me any consequences for anything I did that was crazy or wild, whether it was hitchhiking around or getting picked up by the police for being passed out on the side of the road. My mom never had one retribution for me so I was pretty much fending for myself um at the same time she supported me in everything I wanted to do I mean anything and everything I wanted to do she was there for me she loved me more than anything but she just wasn't equipped for parenting that was not her deal she was really going against her nature Uh, but when you love someone and yet it's not in your nature to be a parent all you're left with is doing the best you can. So she, it was more important to her that I write the truth and that I write what happened than it was for her to look like Miss ex- Exemplary Mom. That was more important to her. And people have said nasty things. I've heard people yeah. say, oh, you know, your, your mom was terrible. She was a horrible person. And that is not how I portrayed her. I portrayed her with love, mm-hmm. gratitude. And a lot of credit for my strength and resilience. Mm-hmm. But people are going to take away what they take away. And, you know, 
a lot of people are like, oh, you had such a traumatic childhood. And I'm just like looking at the big picture of childhoods and going, um, I wasn't sexually abused. I was not thrown in a closet and beaten with a stick. I wasn't shuffled from horrible foster care to, you know, that to me, there's so many, mm-hmm. so, and not to reduce or dismiss mine, my hardships, but there's a lot worse things that kids go through and survive yeah. and triumph over. Yeah. I, I thought it was remarkable the whole, you, I, because I felt that during the whole, really up until you, you wrote about her losing the condo in Austin, you really wrote about her matter of factly. And I appreciated that, you know, because we can draw our own judgments if we want to as the reader, but yes. I thought that was really um, fair. Yeah. And I've, and I've had some people say, your mom is like the hero of the story. So people really are <laughs> taking their own their own takeaway from it. And mm-hmm. uh, and I'm glad because, you know, just as I was talking about the elements to writing a story, a very typical element is to have a villain or an antagonist. <laughs> and in my case, it was myself. I was both the protagonist <laughs> and the antagonist. And I did not want my mom to be the villain. You know, I did not want to demonize her. I just wanted it. I wanted to say what happened. At the same time, I ended up very capable and and uh, resilient and strong because of that. I was lucky. A lot of the things that could have gone wrong didn't. You know, people people react in different ways. Sadly, you know, sometimes people go in a a more destructive. I mean, I was destructive in my own way, but it wasn't. It was you know a lot of stuff. I think my dad not being there was just as much a part of my self-destructiveness right. as was my mom not parenting me in the introduction you you say you also say to your mom that you were so much stronger and braver than you know um what is it that you saw in her that she didn't see in herself i saw her as fearless she seemed fearless to me she seemed i mean it's it, what it was in reality it was reckless and irresponsible but she pretty much did what she wanted her way and the rules didn't apply to her. Now, sometimes that's a really bad thing. It still is, you know, mom, you, if you get a ticket, you have to pay it. You, the rules do apply to you. If you run up your credit card, you got to pay the bill. The rules apply. But in other ways, it was a good thing to think the rules didn't apply to me. I don't have to go college right away why can't I get my degree when I'm 61 you know why do I have to do it now why why can't I go chase my dream and want to be in a band so in a lot of ways thinking that the rules didn't necessarily have to apply were a good thing for me but I just took it I know I had uh I had the sense to put some boundaries in there whereas I don't think I don't know if my mom did you know (laughs) she's just kind of across the board I do what I want does she now are you are you uh has she learned to no. live within the rules? No. Same person. Same person. <laughs> I love her dearly. Uh, but yeah, I love her dearly. The, the book really opened my heart to her. I, I I have had a lot of resentment over the years. A lot of resentment. Not so much about how I was raised, but that she just didn't look ahead. She didn't take care of business. She didn't set up retirement. I just kind of started taking on the role of the caretaker. Mm-hmm. You know, from the minute I was successful... 
my driving thing was, you know, I'm going to get my mom a condo and I'm going to give her this money every month so she can go back to school and she can get her master. And you know, I had all these plans for my mom, like how she was going to be happy, how she was going to be successful, how she was going to. And it's like a hard thing to swallow. You know, I think probably parents go through it with their kids. You know, you're like, I'm going to give you the best education and I'm going to give you this. And then sometimes the kid just goes off. And so that it was very, a very reversed thing where I was and am the parent. And yet she's very independent and doesn't want a parent. So it's a dance. And uh, I have to do what's, you know, I'm a mom of a real, I'm a real mom to a real <laughs> child. And at the same time, I'm not going to do anything to make an 83 year old person's life unpleasant. You know, it's, it's a lonely, you know, it's lonely and scary being 83. My mom is, she's on her own. She's very independent, but I'm not going to throw her out on the street and go, go figure it out. You know, I'm going to make sure she has everything she needs. What is so she must've done something right when you, when you think about that, no matter no matter what, if she instilled that in you somehow, she did right. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, some people, are just, some people are fiercely loyal, and, you know, and maybe it's just ingrained in me that I'm yeah. that that's my job. I Wherever it came from, her, you know. What is the relationship between um, between your daughter and your mom? My mom adores her granddaughter and uh, largely because she probably doesn't feel judged and cr- criticized. Cause I, I do not, my face like shows every, everyone laughs and goes, whatever you're thinking is so evident on your face. <laughs> so I can feel like this in my, in, I think with me, she feels judged and, and, and criticized a lot and she doesn't get that. So she can love my daughter completely and not feel judged, which is not nice. And, and um, we laugh, me and my daughter laugh at her quirks. She's a very quirky woman, but she she's very adorable in a way. My friends all adore her. They, they just love her. So writing the book really opened my heart to her, which has been a wonderful byproduct because that's what you want. You don't want to, you do not want to be 60 years old resenting your 80 something year old parents. That's just not where you want to be, you know? Your dad, the story about your dad, and, and I am sorry, we, we kind of glossed over it before, but the way you reconnected with him, I also found, you know, very heartwarming and very forgiving of you because you could have easily carried that to, you know, anger and resentment. I mean, uh, it makes us feel, the reader feel that, well, they might have, well, wow, you're you're a really good person. <laughs> well, and one one beautiful thing was, you know, I really felt like I didn't matter to my dad. You know, from the time I was a little girl, I felt like if I mattered, he would come visit mm-hmm. more. He wouldn't, yeah. I mean, he married and raised uh, his wife's two daughters. And I felt like they were a family and that I didn't matter. They, they were the ones that mattered to him. And yet when he died and I went to clean out his place with my stepsister, I found a folder and it had Every letter I'd ever written him from the time I was a little girl, it had clippings about the Go-Go's. And I mean, it was, it was just like, it was this realization. Of course, I realized it in our talks at the end of his life because he was lucid and had his wits about him uh, to the, his last breath. So we had many, many talks, but that was a very tangible thing that I could look at and go, I mattered all along. 
I mattered the entire time. He just didn't express it or didn't know how to express it. Or maybe his wife didn't want him to, you know, so it's, it's a bittersweet, but very, it was kind of neat to be at the time I was 59 and to go, you were wrong. You, all this time you thought you didn't matter and you did. He had saved everything. Well, it's not too late to have that realization. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's it's a nice closure. That's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Here I am again. Wah, wah. No, <laughs> no, right. it's a happy to me. Yeah. That's a, that's it's happy. It's, yeah, for some reason, I thought y'all's podcast was more like, I don't know, kind of like lighthearted and stuff. Well, <laughs> it, usually it usually is. It is. <laughs> so here, Kathy Valentine comes along and we're like, like just plumbing the depths of everything. So anyway, I, I sorry if I no, this pulled is- y'all in story too much but at the same time i'm not a very superficial small talk type person it's exactly what we wanted this is (laughs) kind of like to get right into the real stuff i i don't want to talk about the weather you know no and i think our listeners you know want will want to hear the stories also yes we're we're uplifting i guess by nature because 80s music for the most part i guess is uplifting yes (laughs) hell this is this is what i wanted to hear this is the story i want (laughs) Oh, good. And hopefully it's not a down. I think it is uplifting, you know. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I had to do a an 80s uh, guest VJ spot for Sirius for eight, 80s on 8. And it just has been airing. And I've been getting so many people um, saying how much they love the playlist and stuff. And I, I had fun going back and just because sometimes I'll make up a playlist, but it's just all over. I don't spe- I don't focus specifically on one yeah. era. Mm-hmm. So I had a really good time doing that. And people have told me that that read the book because music is with me every step of the way. Even before I'm a musician, music is what is saving me. Like so many teenagers, you know, Mm -hmm. so many of us. Music was how, was proof that there was a a better world out there awaiting me than what was in my painful surroundings. And music soothed me and made me just exhilarated and expressed how I felt. So I talk a lot about music from the very beginning of the, the book. And so many people have told me that they, when I would mention something, whether it was, you know, Maggie May or Sunshine okay. of Your Love or, you know, in the summertime, they, they, they go back and listen to that. Sometimes I feel like I should make not only the playlist that I listened to that took me back to each age, but the, what I write about. I think that could be a cool one, too, because people have told me they really like doing that. You know, I write about exile on Main Street mm-hmm. and yeah. and Ziggy Stardust and oh, just so much music was was there. I love that you yeah. took you 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 had given up smoking, but you you took it up again because you wanted an introduction to Keith Richards. That was that was a great story. <laughs> my, my little brain was churning. I'm like, what do I say? What do I say? What do I say to Keith? What do I? And then I'm like, can I have a smoke? <laughs> yeah. Is that still in your will, though, that he gets the '62 Stratocaster? <laughs> no, and my will was like me writing. I thought that's all I needed was to write it out. My will, my guitar to Keith. I mean, to me, that was a will. So that's what I told him. You commented also about meeting Keith Richards, about speaking to you know some of the the people that you worshipped or idolized, but you admired. Mm-hmm. And about how they're, you know, they're just people. You put it in some other more articulate way. <laughs> how they're just people. So if you're going to converse with them, you want it to be organic. Yeah, it's like, and and I don't, 
I don't take anything. I mean, I've had a lot of people come up to me and all they say is like, my first concert was this, or mm -hmm. I was at Wolf Trap in Vienna, or I was here. And, and that's, that's all they can think to say to me. And I don't, I would never say that's not okay. That's, that's mm -hmm. fine. Say whatever you want. I, I like people. I like meeting people. But for me, I, I want to, if I met somebody, I want to like a little bit more of an exchange. I want it to be real, like something, like an actual conversation. So um, at the same time, you don't want to like, I mean, go into too much detail. <laughs> yeah. I'm like be running away from you. But yeah, I, I think people are just, they're just people. And, you know, yeah. why, why limit the conversation to just being a, 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 a fan, you know, yeah. for me. That's why I'm glad we had the book to discuss because otherwise right. I would have just sat here. I, I promised Dave I wouldn't get all fangirl, <laughs> but I am going to tell you that your songs are some of my favorite go-go songs. Oh, thank you. I <laughs> love hearing that. You know, I, I was in a band with two very great, really good songwriters in Jane and Charlotte. And uh, I learned a lot about writing songs from them, but, and I think uh, equally from, you know, I think they, they got stuff from me too. But uh, so it's always nice to hear that because, you know, we had a lot of great songs. So any yeah. songwriter likes hearing that. So thank you. And my fanboy yeah. thing is first time I saw the Go-Go's was the Serious Barbecue Tour when you opened for Bowie. That was Madness, Go-Go's and Bowie. And that was yes. that was a good intro. <laughs> that was Did like my you, first uh, first. That was like my first big concert where it was just my friends. I didn't have So it was <laughs> it was spectacular. I bet. Did you read the, when I wrote about that? Oh, Did yeah. You get to that oh, yeah. I, I, I finished oh, this whole thing this week. A, that concert was a big deal because it had come after eight months of a lot of problems. And, you know, I was scared to death that the band was going to end, you know, and then you get this opportunity falls in your in your lap to open for David Bowie at Anaheim Stadium and, <laughs> and kill it. So it was a very uh, triumphant moment, and I loved writing about that. And I even found, the, you know how I describe how we start the set? Mm -hmm. You might not remember, but I describe in minute detail how that, we, because I found a cassette of it. Mm -hmm. I found a cassette of us doing that show. Otherwise, I wouldn't have remembered that how we, because we don't usually start with uh, a cappella, this town, mm -hmm. where it's just a vocal going, this town this town so yeah. i had the tape and i was like oh my god we did that song so uniquely for that one show and uh it was perfect because then i could write about it yeah that was great and i, I also I, the feelings of remembering about it with what i had heard and just it was perfect it's also nice to have youtube because you were talking about the final show in in rio when the band's doing head over heels you can kind of see kind of what you were describing but mm -hmm. You were very, uh, you were loving playing the guitar during in this. I don't, I'm sure you've pulled it up before, but just watching you, yeah. it, it looks like everyone oh, else I'm is, going. everyone else is just kind of holding it together. And you are so thrilled to be playing the guitar and you are all over the so stage. Proud. So funny. I'm all over the place. Uh, I'm just like, in my mind, yes, you're going on. It's a new chapter because what I wanted was I wanted a band that just, you know, span for went on and on like the stones, like you too, like, you know, so many bands It just album after maybe this one's a dud. So what? Then they come back with this great album. It's like, I just thought it would go on and on and on and on. So to me, 
it was just a new chapter. It was a drag that Jane left. I hated that she left, but the idea of it being over was not something I could comprehend. I just wasn't, I was in denial that it was ever going to be over. So to be playing the biggest show we'd ever done. And I moved over to the guitar and we found a good bass player and it's all happening. And I just wouldn't, nothing pierced that denial. I mean, clearly you look at that tape, that video, and it's not the go-go's at their yeah. peak, mm. but it's hilarious. Cause there's me like, Oh yes, it is. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it is funny. But life should always be lived that way. Right. You, you should always, I mean, like, this, this is, is it. it. This is There's a thin line. I mean, it's like yeah. you can be like a puppy dog and get up every morning like, <laughs> with your tail wagging, thinking it's going to be the best day of your life, and then <laughs> you can be in denial that everything is falling apart and be a jerk because you're just refusing to acknowledge anyone else's pain. So, yeah, there's there's a, a line there that we figure out eventually. We've taken up an hour and a half of your time. This is it's oh, it's, wow. been, it's been such a this is such a great journey that. Uh, you you took us on through this book. I loved it so much. And uh, I recommend All I Ever Wanted, a rock and roll memoir by Kathy Valentine. So thrilling to talk to you. You know, we've, you know, we've watched oh. you for so long and you have no idea how much we were screaming <laughs> when we heard that we we're going to get to talk to you. It was, well, I have to say I've done a lot, a lot of interviews and I really enjoyed talking to you both too. So there's something that we all clicked really well and it was nice for me too. So thank you for that. Oh my God, that was so much fun. Can you believe we just talked to Kathy Valentine? Has the whole world lost its head yet? Would you like to take that back, Holly? <laughs> no, the whole world is losing. Has the whole world lost its head? Because we got to talk to Kathy Valentine. <laughs> Great. No, I love your pun. It's good. <laughs> we were so lucky to be able to talk to Kathy Valentine about her book, All I Ever Wanted. A rock and roll memoir. And indeed it was, and quite a journey. So we highly recommend picking up this book it was you will not be able to put it down we didn't we literally i mean we we did because we had to eat and sleep but we got through it really quick and it's uh it's a wonderful read and it's honest and um, as i'm sure you got from uh from listening to this podcast um, she is genuine and the real deal so thank you so much to kathy valentine and until next week this is dave this is holly check you later over and out It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 